Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Some of us still, maybe still have some tryptophan in our system. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's the hormone in Turkey which makes you fall asleep. So if you still have the tryptophan, no shame. Um, I probably have some of it going on too, okay? So if you see me just kind of nodding off, just feel free to you know, find whatever you can around you and just chuck it up my way. So it'll be good. Well, before I get into my message today, I just want to talk quick about our parking lot fund. Isaac, if you could throw that slide up. At the last Sunday of every month, we talk about our parking lot fund. If you aren't familiar with what that is, um, we are trying to get a nice asphalt parking lot out there so everyone can have a nice comfy spot to come in, all that good stuff. So we've been raising money and, and taking a special offering at the end of every month to try and get us to that 50000 mark, which would get us a new parking lot. So we are going to talk about that today. Um, but as usual, with that, we are going to talk about our normal, normal tithes and offerings. And like, like I said, like, sometimes I always get up here and I'm always nervous because it's like, you know, the money in the church is always kind of like one of those, ooh, you know, it just feels icky sometimes because it can be so abused. But um, as I was thinking about this, I just, I really love the idea that when we are faithful to God, He is faithful to us, you know. And He's faithful to us all the time, but how cool is it that God allows us to participate in what's he, what he's doing, right? You know, I think of, you know, back to this last night of youth group. Like, we had a ton of fun. You know, we just really had a pie-eating contest. We did some stuff with turkeys. Like, it was an absolute blast. Like, I got out of here, and I was like one of those kids bouncing off the walls because I was just so amped from, from youth group. So, like, stuff like that and stuff like the tree lighting and having Christmas cookies and, and, and cocoa and bringing the community together is what our tithes and our offerings go to. And it's it's so cool that we can say we were a part of that because we were giving in our offerings. And so um, I just want to leave you with that. If you are a first-time guest of ours, I want to personally say welcome. I hope I snagged you before you came in. Um, like, my, like my beautiful wife said, I am Derek. I'm the associate pastor here. And um, as we t- receive our offering today, don't feel any obligation to give. Um, we just, we're glad you're here. Um, but for everyone else, like I said, if you want to donate to the parking lot, um, just mark that on your Connect card. I'm saying that this is for the parking lot fund. So I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward, please. And with that, I'm just going to pray, and we're going to kick off this beautiful Sunday morning. Jesus, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. I don't believe it's an accident that they're here. I believe they're here for a distinct purpose. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet them right where they're at today, Um, whether it's whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether it's spiritually. I just pray that you would meet them right where they're at and that you would bless them abundantly. Bless this offering and bless this service. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am super excited today because I get to talk about something I'm passionate about, right? It's always a good thing when your pastor talks about something they're passionate about because otherwise it's easy for us to fall asleep up here, which means you guys probably fall asleep out there, right? So we're going to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, something that's kind of counterintuitive in the church. Uh, we've been talking a lot about leadership. We, uh, um, we'll throw that slide up there. But we've been in a series about, called Intentional Leadership, which is, we've been talking about. Chris opened it up with how to get fired at your job, right? Like that seems a, like, what? I, he was showing me the pranks. I don't know if, for anyone who was here, he showed a whole bunch of pranks and a whole bunch of things that people have done in the office. 
And as he was showing me them, I was a little intimidated because I was like, he's getting a whole bunch of bad ideas. I'm going to walk into the office here. I'm going to walk into like saran wrap or something goofy. So we talked about that, how to get fired at your job, which talked about, you know, how to lead at your workplace. We talked about how to build people, how to build the kingdom of God, how to lead other people, and just how to be a successful leader in general, right? So a lot of times when we think of leadership, we think of, you know, leading a group of people. You know, standing up front going rah, 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 you know, being this big buff guy, you know, like, let's charge this field, let's be a leader, you know, all this different stuff. And it's just one of those hot topics in the world, whether you're in business, whether you're in, you know, the church, whether you're in anything, leadership is kind of that hot topic. Like, how can we get, become better leaders? And a lot of times when we think of all this, we don't think of this idea of self-leadership. Like, some of you maybe aren't even know, like, what is self-leadership? I don't even know what that means. Fortunately, we're going to talk about that today, so you don't have to worry if you don't know what that means, but the whole idea is that I would submit to you, if we're going to be good leaders of other people, we've got to be good leaders of ourselves. You know, um, it's one of the, another way to put it is if I'm failing to lead myself, I'm failing to lead other people as well as I possibly could be. And so we're going to dissect that a little bit today. Um, but whether you are a Christian here or not, whether you believe in anything or not, um, it's okay. I just, I want you just to understand that where I'm coming from, um, wherever you are, it's okay. You know, we're glad you're here. And a lot of this stuff applies to believers and non-believers. And so I just would ask that you just be open to whatever, whatever God wants to speak to you today. And with that, we're just going to jump right in. But self-leadership probably sounds all good and, and, and dandy, but how do you do it, right? That's, that's sometimes that's the thing that we always try to get to. But to be a good leader of yourself, I think you need to be very self-aware. You know, a lot of times we take these placement tests. Are there any students in here that take the MCAs every year? Okay, I see a few hands. Maybe we have people in here who, are, who have been employed before and they want you to take an assessment or they want you to do something to know where you're at, right? You know, just to, so they can meet you where you are and take you to the next level. And if they do that everywhere else, why won't we do it in our own lives? You know, I think that if we want to know where we want to go, like we always talk about dreaming, we talk about going and doing things and being a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, a better employer, a better employee, we talk about all these things, but if we don't know where we are, we can't get better, right? If we think we're like the best mechanic in the whole world and our employees don't even, are getting mad because we don't know how to change a tire, you know, we're probably not going to be able to get better and improve ourselves. And so to become self-aware, I think it's important to ask ourselves these types of questions. How am I doing? And then I'd follow that up with, how am I really doing? You know, have you, have you ever been in this spot where like life is just terrible? Like, like your cat died and then like you had ramen noodles for lunch and then it started raining and then someone door dinged you and then life just stinks. And then you're walking through the grocery store and you see someone from church. Oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, great. How are you doing? Great. And you're thinking to yourself, I hate myself. I hate my life. We've all been there. And so what I always like to say is, how am I really doing? You know, it's always a refreshing when you can, say, you can just be real with people, right? Like, how are you doing? Good. How are you really doing? Eh, I'm okay. Really? Let's talk about that. Another question. What am I succeeding at? 
What am I working towards? What do I struggle with? What fills me up? And what drains me? I was thinking about all of this, and I just typed in in Google, Google's a wonderful thing, I just typed in being self-aware, and I saw Harvard Business Review, and I was like, huh, that sounds kind of fancy. I feel like whenever you see Harvard, you can just kind of automatically admit this is legit, okay? So Harvard ran a test from a Fortune 10 company, which had 58 teams and over 300 leaders. And they had all of them take an assessment and say, where do you think you are in terms of business competencies? And then they gave them to the actual CEO and had him cross-reference to see who was actually self-aware. And then they put them all in this business simulation. They put the more self-aware people, the ones that kind of matched, and then they put the less self-aware. And here's what they found. It says the probability of success. These are percentages. So if you're not graph savvy, or maybe you're kind of like, what does this mean? Basically, if you have less self-awareness, you make way worse decisions, you are way less coordinated, and you have way worse conflict management. And so if you were an employer, how many of you would probably be like, I'm going to choose the one that's a little bit more self-aware, you know? Because they're going to make better decisions, they're going to have better coordination, they're going to have better conflict management. And so if that is in the secular world, if that is in a world that is not even whatsoever related to the church, how much more is that pertaining to us, right? Like, I tend to hang my hat on the fact that Harvard kind of knows what they're talking about. I mean, they kind of have a decent track record. And so if, for me, that was like, okay, wow, so maybe it is really important. Maybe I'm not just bringing this up out of randomly. Maybe it is important to be self-aware. The only problem with being self-aware is that we're our own judge. We know and we say what we're good at, what we're not good at, right? And I'm going to just be open and honest. I'm going to take a random guess that other people in this world are like me where maybe we're a little too hard on ourselves, right? Maybe we're a little too strict. Maybe we're a little bit too judgmental on ourselves. Maybe we're all too aware of our weaknesses, but not even remotely oblivious to our own strengths. Do you know... This isn't, this isn't in my notes. This isn't something I just learned when I was, when I was um, at college. If you highlight your five best strengths, you take this test called the Strengths Finder test. Studies show if you focus on your five top strengths rather than all of your weaknesses, you're proven to be more fulfilled, happier, and a better worker and better leader. Just think about that. What if you walked throughout your life and instead of saying, what do I need to work on? What do I need to get better at? You said, what am I good at? How can I utilize that the best? Okay? I am not great at just going up and meeting someone random. Like, Chris, I went to a conference with Chris in Vegas a couple weeks ago. And he's like, yeah, just go feel mingle with a whole bunch of people, random pastors. And I was like, okay, sweet. You know, he's like, he's over talking to like four different people by the time I actually step out of my seat. He's just, you know, he's so gifted at that, but I am not, you know? And I felt so bad about that for so long. I'm like, how can I possibly be a pastor if I'm not good at meeting other people? And then I realized I'm actually kind of decent at just knowing people and then just going deep with them right away, you know? And so, of course, I'm trying to be more open. I'm trying to be more engaging with other people, but... 
I love when I can go up to someone and be like, how are you doing? And just kind of really just die for the heart right away. And so, okay, so going back. So if we are going to be good people that are self-aware, we're not going to focus on our weaknesses, all this different stuff. If we really need to do that, we need to be rooted in who God says we are. The world says you are maybe no good. The world says you're proud. The world says you're arrogant. The world says you're good for nothing. But if we really want to be good leaders of ourselves, we've got to know who we are in God's eyes because that's the, the truth. John 1 says we're children of God. John 15 says we're friends of Jesus. 1 John says we're loved. Corinthians says we're set free. And you can go look through anywhere through the Bible. It says we're a new creation. We are a new creation. So before I go on, to be self-aware... A lot of people are going to fill you up. A lot of people are going to tell you good things and bad things. But I've come to realize the only thing that really matters is who God says I am because that's, that's truth. Okay? So when we know that, when we're truly self-aware, we can then become self-sacrificial but not self-negligent. All right. Talk about sacrifice. Friday night... After a great Thanksgiving, I'm like, oh, it's so good to be home. My wife says, let's watch La La Land. If you're not familiar with La La Land, La La Land is a two-hour musical filled with a whole bunch of people dancing and singing and, you know. If you love it, cool. I, I, I totally support that. My wife loves it. But about five minutes in, I was like, where are the explosions? You know, like, where, where's the fighting? Like, this is not a movie. This is just people running and dancing around. And so for me, sacrifice was saying, yes, babe, let's watch La La Land. That'd be awesome. But she sacrificed for me when I'm like, hey, the wild are on. Let's watch it. And she's like, yeah, let's not. <laughs> but she does it anyway every once in a while, and it's, it's all good. But the point remains the same. When we are sacrificial, sometimes it's not always how we see it. Like, we think of sacrifice as, like, maybe doing something nice for a random stranger or, you know, um, giving a, a meal or an extra gift to somebody. But, you know, even, and this might be weird, but just hear me out, sometimes sacrifice can happen in our own family, right? Sometimes you have to be sacrificial of your own needs, you know. Um, I know some of us in here have a new baby. Sacrifice can be, okay, he pooped again after 10 minutes. Now it's your turn to go change him. Or it's 3 a.m., we had just fallen asleep, and all of a sudden, you should go change him, you know? Or maybe um, you got to run your kids to practice. You've been at work all day long, and instead of just getting home and sitting back at your table like, oh, that was a rough day, your husband or wife says, hey, we need to run so-and-so to soccer practice. Can you do that? Sure. You know, sacrifice can even be our emotions, you know, there's some times when life does stink, but you're in a place where you can't necessarily show your emotions, right? You've got to put on a face. You've got to put on a show. And we've got to sacrifice how we really feel. But as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, being sacrificial serves others, but being self-negligent does not. What I mean by that is that we're called to set aside our own preferences, ideas, time, and emotions even for other people every once in a while. 
but it's not meant to be sustained. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, it says, Yet the news about him, him being Jesus, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 31. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and had taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. And so he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I consider Jesus one of, like, the best leaders of all time. You know, like, best leader of other people, but then also best leaders of himself. And if Jesus, who was all man, but also all God, found the need to find rest and take some time to himself, that's probably a good indication that maybe we should follow the same pattern, right? Like, I am not strong enough, I am not good enough, I am not talented enough to do life and to lead 24-7. I can't. I've tried before and it failed epically. And so if we fail to rest and take care of ourselves, we will burn out. We will burn out, I guarantee you. And that's why Jesus prioritized his time away. Do you know what's crazy? It's seriously absolutely mind-blowing. Jesus, who could have had all the power he needed, he still took time to pray with God. You know? He's, okay, he fed 5,000 people with loaves. He healed people. He did all these crazy things. And a lot of us would be like, that's crazy good stuff. Why wouldn't you keep doing it? Why would you not just keep going? If you got all this momentum, all this stuff, why would you not just keep doing it? And it's because he knew. He knew, I can't keep this up. And so, what makes us think we can do the same? It doesn't matter if you're in the church. It doesn't matter if you're at your job. It doesn't matter where you are, or even in your own home. If you don't rest, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to burn out. It's just a way of life. We're going to become bitter. We're going to become resentful. We're going to become angry. We're going to push ourselves so far that we won't be able to do it anymore. I'm sure some of us have done that before. And not only is it depressing, but it leaves our followers without a healthy leader. Something I don't share with a ton of people, some I do, and I'll give you the ins and outs, but... Um, my freshman year at North Dakota State, I was so convinced that I wasn't good enough. I was so convinced that I was a terrible leader, that I, would, I needed to do more, I needed to do all this different stuff. And I pushed myself so hard, I threw away homework, which was my passion back then. You guys are probably thinking I'm sick, some sick guy who loves homework. But I loved homework. I loved learning. I pushed it all aside and I thought, God needs me to be better. I need to be better. So I started reading my Bible for like four hours a day. I started like fasting and doing all this stuff. And a lot of it seems good, right? A lot of the stuff we do seems good. It seems like this is what I need to be doing. But there came a point when I was so disgusted with myself, I thought I needed to do so much more that I literally pushed myself into clinical depression. I went to a doctor and they said, no, you have very severe, you have very severe depression and anxiety. And you guys are probably like, whoa, you're a pastor, you can't have depression? Yeah, we can, it's, a, it's fine, it's fine. It, it doesn't say, thou shalt be a pastor and not have depression. I, I, 
Maybe in Chris's book of second hesitations it might say that, but not in mine. I say all that to say we can do a lot of good things in our life. We can be a great dad. We can be a great boss. We can be a lot of great things. But if we're useless to ourselves, we're not good to anybody else. We need to take care of ourselves. It's important. So how do you do that? Well, this is going to sound crazy, but you got to carve out time for yourself. A lot of people tell me, I don't have time for that. I don't disagree with you, but I would argue that you need to make time for that. You know, I know a pastor who every morning from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, he pencils an appointment. And people ask, hey, can I meet you for breakfast? And you say, no, I've got an appointment. Can you do this for me? Can you come to my son's thing and, and, and pray for him? Nope, i got an appointment. You know what his appointment is? Time with God. He puts it into his calendar so that no one can schedule over that. It's the same as any other appointment. If I had an appointment with Chris, I wouldn't be like, hey, Meg, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to bail on Chris for this important meeting because I want to come home and, and hang out with our cats. Probably won't go over super well. So we got to do the same with God. We got to prioritize our time with God. Fridays are that for me. I have Fridays off. A lot of times my wife works. Fridays are my day, right? I wake up, I have hot chocolate because coffee's gross. I have hot chocolate in a beautiful mug and I feel all sophisticated. I'm sitting there sipping my hot chocolate. I'm, I'm a five-year-old at heart. I'm, I apologize, but I'm a five-year-old at heart. And I, or sometimes I read and sometimes I, like, those are my lengthened devotion times. Where I can just like, it's so nice having the house to myself. The cats are sleeping. I can just read my Bible. It's nice. But your time can also be other things, right? Chris tells me he's got five kids and a wife. He doesn't have as much time as I do. So I would believe, I'd assume. He doesn't have as much time as I do just to hang out. And a lot of you guys are probably in a similar. Maybe you work a lot more than I do. Maybe you have a whole bunch of kids. Maybe life is just crazy right now. So you're like, I don't have time for that. One thing Chris and I have been talking a lot about, he just takes walks around his neighborhood. You know, that's his self-care. It's time for him to be by himself, just breathe, you know, a lot of this good stuff. So time for yourself doesn't always have to be spiritual. It can be other things. It can be watching Netflix. I watch a lot of Netflix on my Fridays. It can be reading a book. It can be sitting in front of a fireplace, taking a bath, whatever you like to do. There's this mantra in our world today that you can do nothing for yourself because you're being selfish, right? Can some of us in here agree with that mantra, right? We think that we cannot take any time for ourselves because we could be doing so many other good things. But I'll tell you from experience, when I have time to myself, I am a whole different person coming out of that. My wife is shaking her head. Yes, you are. Do you know, it recharges you. It gets you recentered. When you are, have this mentality that I need to serve other people, you start to be like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that. And then all of a sudden you look 10 days later and you realize, I've had no time to myself. I am miserable. I hate everybody. I hate everybody. Leave me alone. And that is what happens. But when you're by yourself, you recharge, you restore, you get fresh ideas. You begin to feel stable again. 
start to feel like yourself again. But all of that leads up to my final point. You guys probably think it starts with self because my last two points have started with self, but they don't. Ha, gotcha. Point three, Christ-reliant. Christ-reliant. The last two points I've been talking about very practical things, and they really set up for this last point. When you're self-aware, you know where you're at. When you're self-sacrificial, not self-negligent, you can understand that I need to take time to myself. And all of that funnels into this being Christ-reliant. Because here's here's what I believe wholeheartedly. It's something I try to live by. If we want to truly lead ourselves, we need to truly follow Jesus. To truly lead ourselves, we need to truly follow Jesus. And what that's doing is you're admitting who the real leader is. I am not the leader of my life. Jesus is. And that probably sounds counterintuitive for what I just talked about, but when I can make time for myself, I'm making time for Jesus to pour into me. It's making time for me to realize, okay, I'm not in this alone. And some in here aren't Christians, and you're probably like, okay, well, you just lost me, and that's okay. Some Christians in here are nodding your head like, yes, I agree with you. But if we're not leading ourselves, we're allowing ourselves to drift into something that we don't want to go into. you're not leading yourself, you're allowing yourself to drift into something that Jesus maybe doesn't even want you to do. I don't know if you guys have realized this or not yet, but leadership is hard. It's hard. Yes, being a parent is the best thing ever, but it's hard. Yes, being a youth pastor and, and, and hanging out with these awesome guys and girls is amazing. I love Wednesday nights. But it's hard. It's hard when I hear about their friends that are going into different things or doing different things and, and all this different stuff. It's hard. It's hard working for someone that nails you and, and, and critiques you and pushes you down every single day. It's hard making that decision when you know you're going to hurt somebody, but you know it's what needs to happen. It's not easy, folks, and you guys know that. I don't need to stand up here and tell you that. It can be lonely, it can be tiring, it can be confusing. But that, that is exactly why we need to allow Jesus to lead us. Okay? That is why. Another phenomenal leader in the Bible, his name is Paul. If you aren't familiar with Paul, he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. So he's, he kind of knows what he's talking about. But Paul, if you're not familiar with his story, he was like as far away from being a Christian as you can imagine. He, his mission in life as a devout Jew, was to slaughter all Christians, right? That was his mission. So probably not the ideal image of being a Christian would be like, probably not. But Jesus met him right where he was at on a road to to Damascus. He met him and changed his life. And he got trained up and, and, and he went all through this stuff. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he reads this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Makes me come up here quick. We have leadership all wrong. 
You're probably like, sweet, well, Chris just wasted my time the last three weeks. We have leadership all wrong because we think that we need to lead from the front and then we need to let Jesus pour into us. Do you guys know? They did a poll. Some of the highest use of, of people who viewed pornography were pastors on Sundays. You're probably thinking, like, what? My pastor gets up and talks to me on Sunday and does all this stuff, and then he goes and watches porn. That happens because as pastors, we, we, we invest all this stuff. We pray, and you guys are the same way, whether you're at a job or not, whether you're a parent. We invest, we invest, we invest, we invest, we invest. And we pour out, and we've got nothing left. We're spent. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, we're spent. And so we've got to find something that will fill us back up. Something, and we're so vulnerable that the enemy can just slip in temptation so easily. He can just be like, you're weak, you're vulnerable. And flash something in front of you and make you stumble. And Paul had it right. He said, no, that's the wrong model. I am going to follow Jesus with everything I've got. I am going to do everything I can so I can be the best follower of Jesus. And then all of you can see me and follow that. He was a leader because he was first a follower. He led from what Jesus was teaching him. And in our time with God, I think we can have the same exact thing. We can have healing from those who have wronged us. When we go through our day and we're hurt and we're cut and we're beat, God wants to heal us so we can be a better leader. God wants to bring strength when you got nothing left. He wants to bring you rest when you can barely keep your eyes open. He wants to bring you restoration when someone has done you wrong or when maybe your spouse has yelled at you or done something or lusted after somebody. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore your marriage. He wants to meet you right where you're at because he delights in you, okay? Some of us in here need to hear that, that God delights in you. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus delights in you right where you're at. And I just am so strongly believing in this because I've been there. I've been exhausted. I've been spent. I've yelled at my wife. I've done things that make me want to cry. And God just so, just sweetly and softly spoke to me. He's like, what if, what if you led out of a way that lets me lead you first? I don't want to go through my life leading and asking Jesus to come along with me. I want Jesus to take the forefront. I want him to lead and then I'll follow and then people can follow me. So am I going to be perfect? Absolutely not. Am I going to screw up? Definitely but I keep following. That's the beauty about following Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to live up to something. He forgives you. Every day is a new start. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.